Welcome back to this week's episode of Cover Zero, the Sunday recap show of week nine. Man, that was a crazy Sunday, and here to here to talk to me about this, or talk to you guys about this with me, we have our usual crew, Josiah and Henry, and then we're also joined by Joe. Gentlemen, how'd you enjoy your Sunday? Oh man, I enjoyed it. Anytime the Raiders win, it's, it's always a good Sunday for me. Football boys film. Yeah, Ravens offense finally was looking the way it was last season, the second half versus Colts. So hopefully that can trigger something for the rest of the season. Off air, we had mentioned a little bit about that team. We can quickly get to them just a little bit because I did want to actually get your take on that on the mic since we got we're going on the show here. You had mentioned Greg Roman's play calling. What do you think you saw or have seen up to this point in the season that you would look to change from them, Henry? You know, he you know, Greg Roman, he just it just seemed like he's just been off on his play calling this this whole entire – well, I would say not except for the week one versus the Browns. But it just seemed like he's been trying to do like a lot of rollouts, not have been running the ball uh, consistent, consistently when we should be running the ball. You know, we're number one in the league for rushing for a reason. He should – that says something. And it seemed like, you know, that's the strength of our team. That's a strength, especially for our offensive line now since, you know, we're losing Ronnie Stanley for the year and then having Marshall Yonah retire, of course. So he should lean toward more towards a run game, but it just seems like in running situations he'll try to pass the ball or try to do something that's just out of the ordinary. But I don't know, maybe somebody got on his head. The second half it was finally looking the way I envisioned it to be looking this year. So hopefully he can stay up this throughout the rest of this year. For sure, for sure. Because when they turned it around in that second half, there was a point I think when Lamar scored, it was like it was like midway through the fourth. Lamar walked in in the edge. And the play differential in that second half was like the Ravens had called like 32 plays and the Colts had only called like four. So like just yeah, that yeah, type of discrepancy. Right exactly. And then Lamar Jackson was 10 for 10 in the second half for his passing, converting on the third downs, making the uh, J.K. Dobbins had a key fourth down conversion. Yeah, the, the play calling was just way better. I don't know, maybe somebody got on his head or something, but he needs to, he needs to st- stick with it. Well, yeah. from my experience, uh, Greg Roman also felt, likes to force uh, force a scheme down uh, uh, in a, on a team that just doesn't feel natural. We've seen that with the experience, like with his Niner days. You know, it just it sometimes doesn't work out uh, the way that he wants to wait with his quarterback. Maybe he changes it up. But I, from what I saw in the second half, it just looked a lot more natural. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I got to agree. I got to agree, especially with the running game. I I feel like that's what they should have been doing in the first half. And going back to your point, Jordan, what you were saying about the the Colts getting the ball, it's crazy because, yeah, you're right. They they did not get the ball at all, really, in the – I mean, they got the ball in the third, but they didn't get no first downs. Like yeah. 12 first downs for, for the Ravens in the third and zero for the Colts. And they just that just shows like when you have a dominant running game, the way and maybe that's maybe that's what it is with Greg Roman. Maybe, you know, and, and I hate to say this because he's been coaching for a while, but he has so many weapons back there. I mean, you can use Lamar as a running back, obviously. You got you have JK back there, you got Gus. You know, you 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 have these different running backs back there. So I don't know if sometimes he he's unsure on who to use or who he wants to use and whatnot. Maybe that's what it is. But they have a dominant running game over there. And when you're able to run the ball and, and control the time of possession the way they did in that second half, it's 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 it makes it that much harder for that team to to beat you. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, we talked about it going into the game when we were previewing it. How this even this Colts defense that is in the top ten in terms of their run defense and the yards they've allowed up to now. If you still like can stick with it and just like pound it down the throat, like you were saying, Joe, and really just impose your will, we've talked about it on this show plenty of times. 
that gets demoralizing. And it just sits there and be like, like a hundred paper cuts to death rather than just simply going for the decapitation. So yeah, it's good to see them get back to it. I know it's, it's the bread and butter, something they like to do a lot. And when those teams can really dive into their identity and then just take control also with solid defense, because after they came out of the tunnel in the second half, it was 17 points for the Ravens and a goose egg through two quarters for the Colts. So and then remember, remember we talked about even on our other, other show, we talked about, uh, all the COVID, because remember, we didn't know who was going to be playing on our defense. Right. So everybody came through, of course, except for Marlon Humphrey. So we know we didn't have Marlon Humphrey. Marcus Peters stepped up big uh, from his presence not being there with a forced fumble and an interception today. And then Calais Campbell got hurt in the first uh, in the first quarter. So I mean, it's not nothing serious, just a calf strain. So, yeah, impressive win, impressive win. Ravens improving to six and two. The Colts improving to five and three. And to at least my surprise, another team that landed themselves at six and two today was the Seahawks, losing thirty-four to forty-four against the Bills. That game was crazy. That Buffalo defense actually looked similar to what I expected them to look like this year. They were just so they were flying around. They looked like they were playing at a different speed a lot of times than most of what the Seattle Seahawks pressure could even provide. It was crazy how much they were getting after Russell Wilson. Five total sacks, seven tackles for losses, six passes defense, 11 QB hits, and four turnovers. Even still, with all that, Seattle puts up 34 points. And I'll start with you on this one, Josiah. Do you think this was like a big statement win for Buffalo? And if so, how much? Yeah, it was. It was. It was a big statement. And I think by well, I think by a lot, you know, because it it showed them, it it showed the, I think any of the players that maybe had any doubt because it was kind of on it, it was a little rocky a little bit. And I think, I think for Josh Allen, although they've been winning, they, they won the last game, we were talking about how Josh hasn't really been playing that well. You know, although even through their wins, you know, he didn't really have many touchdowns, if any, in some of the games. And today he came out and just put his foot down and, and made a big statement like, look, you know, I'm, 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 I am that improved player. I am, I am who everybody think I am this, this season, you know, and, and he, he showed that he really did show that. And I think, I think it was a really big improvement, really big improvement for the whole team. And then the defense, like you just said, the defense stepping up the way they did, this is what we expected from this Buffalo Bill team from the very, very beginning of the season. You know, we, we, we talked about which one was more surprising, Josh Allen playing away. He's playing or the defense not playing that well. Right. Yep. And I think we ta- and I think we all went with the defense not playing that well, you know. And so it, it, it's crazy because it was re- re- either like the last podcast or, the, or podcast before. And it just seemed like they heard, you know, what we were saying, because this defense came to play. Like you said, they was all over us, sacked five times. And, you know, it's hard, you know, and I talked about this recently with with the Bears, with Nick Foles, anytime you are getting, you know, sacked that many times a game. It's hard for you to really do anything, especially if that's your best player, you know, on the team, you know. And obviously the quarterback is most position the the most important position. So it's just hard to win that way, you know. But yeah, this was a big this was a huge huge statement game on both sides of the ball. We ha- we haven't seen that from the Bills. All we've seen is the offense really play lights out. We haven't seen both units play well. We've seen the offensive unit and the defensive unit play real well. That's true. That's yeah, true. I, I I agree with you about the defense side. I don't agree with you about with Josh Allen. That that Seattle defense is atrocious. Like right. Cam Cam Newton lit up that defense, and then look how Cam Newton has looked since playing right. Seattle. 
So, I mean, yeah, Josh, he, he did what he had to do, though. I, I'll give him that. But this Seattle defense is so bad. That zone scheme has been getting lit up by everybody that they've been playing this whole entire year. That's why they're ranked dead last in the NFL. But as far as a, as a statement win, I, I I think we all picked Seattle Seattle to win. I right. did I did think it was going to be a, a shootout, which which it was. But um, yeah, the, the defense definitely stepped up this week. You know, Russell Wilson. You know, everybody thinks he's the MVP candidate. He had two interceptions, and I think he had two fum, two fumbles he as did. well. Four, yeah. four total turnovers. So the defense definitely did their job. But as far as the whole little Josh Allen, yeah, he did what he had to do. But like I said, this defense is just so damn bad. You're right, bro. Everybody's been having a good game against that defense. No, that and that's a good point. That's a good point. But I don't think neither one of us thought he was going to have the game that he had today. And even some of the teams like the Jets, the Jets defense is not as bad. Right, but exactly what you're saying. But they're but they're bad. They're a bad overall team. And Josh Allen didn't even throw a touchdown in that game. Yeah, and he had four today. He had four today, yeah. one on the ground, three through the air, 400 yards, and he hit eight different receivers today in the passing game. Seven yeah. of them, yeah, seven yeah, yeah. different receivers had they're, a 20 yard game. Like I said, Cam Newton, Cam Newton, <laughs> 397 on this defense, too. Yeah, no, the defense is weak. We, we know that, but none of us thought he was going to play the game that he played, you know, and you still got to go out and do it. Yeah, but yeah, like, thing. Yeah. It's one thing to say, oh, yeah, man, he did this, he did that. But no, like I said, it's it's another to go out and actually do it. And like I said, he played some of the other teams. They didn't even have touchdowns in some of those games, and they don't even got wins. Yeah. So. Joe, where do you land on, like, Josh Allen right now? Is this, is this game, like, something that elevates him back towards that area as to what we saw from him at the beginning of the year? So <clears throat> I actually – goes with something that I wanted to talk about because I feel like he did cut in uh, back into the top five, the MVP conversation. Um, I know that it's kind of with the Seahawks defense, it's kind of like we have to take that with a grain of salt. But um, the efficiency was there. Uh, He holds on the ball too long, but just the uh, sheer numbers, uh, win uh, win production. um, I I think he reestablished himself to what we were seeing the first few weeks rather than, you know, the Titans game, than uh, the Jets game and so on. So I think he really did cut back into that MVP race, race uh, behind Mahomes, Rodgers, and uh, Wilson. So it would be Mahomes, Rodgers, Wilson, Allen. You have him in that five. Well, that in five no specific order. In no specific order. Like I have sure. Wilson, uh, Rodgers, Mahomes, um, Dark Horse, even Kyler Murray, and then, uh, and then Allen. Allen be the five. Okay, okay. All right, yeah, this was a, Tremaine Edmonds, too. We actually talked about him on this yeah. show a lot. And today, man, today he looked pretty good. Today was probably his best. I'd have to go back and watch the tape to see if he had, like, coverage errors because Russell still didn't put up 34 points on the board. Right. And there were receivers that had many yards. So I got to go watch all 22 to see his coverage woes. But as far as how much he stood out watching a live feed, it, he wasn't missing tackles. He was playing in the gaps. He was very aggressive. He was beating blockers to the point. He wasn't necessarily out of place when it came to his run fits. Like he, this looked like the game that you'd want from that guy, and to do it against that offense, I think that does say something just to the type of player that he could hopefully blossom into if he continues to have performances like this. So, but yeah, Seattle though still got to think that they are in the likely favorite going forward in the NFC West. Would you guys disagree? In the NFC West, yeah. Oh yeah, 
Uh, that's that's for sure. I mean, you know, the offensive line needs to step up. You know, uh, between the two losses that uh, that the Seahawks have, you have uh, five passes defense. You know, you have Russell Wilson trying to force his magic sometimes into coverage. You know, you have five passes defense against the Cardinals, six passes defense against the Bills, and he's got nine QB hits and eleven QB hits between uh, both of those as well. So you know, they're the porous course offensive line trying to extend the play throwing into uh, coverage sometimes uh unforced errors you know the like the t- uh the turnover in the end zone today um there's some times where you just want him to make the smart play a, a, a la rogers throwing it away but um there's no doubt in my mind with the niners injuries uh rams being mercurial up and down and uh the cardinals still being an incomplete team on that defensive side and uh with kyler doing what he did and still losing that game, um, it's it just goes to show. Yeah, that's a good point. But speaking of the Cardinals, though, they dropped one today to the Dolphins, 34-31. And the Dolphins, they seem to just lately, since two has been in, he's been aided by a score in some other phase of the game than the offense. Got a defensive TD today, last week against the, against the Rams. They had a special teams TD, defensive TD. And he's making things happen in both ways in terms of just his poison the pocket. If he needs to play on time, that's what he likes to do. That's his money. But when things break down, he is showing that he still has that comfort and that ability and mobility in the pocket to move and gain more yards right now. So at this point right now, Henry, I'll ask you first, are the Dolphins a playoff caliber team? I think they are. You know, I remember last year with a a very, very less talented team, they were – Really, really playing hard for Brian Flores, you know. And we, we we talked about on our previous show about you know how the Cowboys. It just seemed like they're just not trying to fight for McCarthy. You, you can see it. These this Dolphins player, they believe in what Brian Flores is over there preaching, and they're really, really taking into what he's uh, doing over there. And, and I like what they're doing. I really, really do. They 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 play hard. The defense is over there stouting. I, I really like what they're doing. You know. I remember people really questioned um, when they pulled Fitzgerald and put it into it. And I remember I said, I agree with it. You know, he's the future of the team. You don't draft a, a QB, uh, a top five QB, and, and not have him be your future and go ahead and start getting him the the PT to, so he can start, you know, getting his feet wet pretty much. So I, I really do. I think they can play hard. You know, they, they still got to play the Jets again, which I think they'll get that win. The Bills, they still have the Bills coming up too, which will be – it's going to be a tough matchup, but, you know, you never know with those divisional games. So I, I, I do. I think they can pull it out. I, you know, they keep playing the way they're playing. You know, and of course, no big injuries or, or anything like that happens. I, yeah, I definitely believe that the Dolphins can definitely make it to the playoffs. What about you, Josiah? Nah, because uh, my Raiders got to get in. So, nah, but, you, you know, they are playing uh, all jokes aside, man. They, they, they're playing – Really, really good, man. And they're ahead of schedule, in my opinion, because I thought the way they're playing now, I thought they would be like this next season. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, I was one of the ones. I don't know who all who else said about the Fitzpatrick deal, but I was the one that felt that way because I felt like it was risky and they were winning football games, you know, and, and you don't want to pull somebody that is winning for you. You know, exactly. If you lose, if something happened, you know, it's hard to get that player. And obviously the player would come in and play, you know, but you might not have that same magic, you know, is uh, as you like to say with, with, with Fitzpatrick. So, you know, it, it, it was uh, it, it was it's it's good to see Tua playing well. 
And I, I really, I think what's really surprising to me is that defense. I mean, the defense is just all over the place. The blitzes, they're using special blitz packages. They're scoring on defense. That's when it becomes scary. When they're able to score on defense the way they're doing and getting turnovers like that, the defensive line, yeah, it, it, it becomes really, really scary. So, yeah, this team, they, they look for real. They look for real. I, I think it's going to come down to – I really think Buffalo is going to win this division. I think the Patriots is out of it. I think we all – we didn't have the Patriots making it this year anyway. But we didn't know if two teams would make it out of the AFC East if it wasn't – if it, I mean, like, if we would if we had a pick, we would have picked the Patriots if it was two teams coming out the AFC East. But, you know, I don't think we would have picked the Dolphins. But with the Dolphins playing the way we're playing, they're right there. So I think it's going to come down the Raiders. And we play, we play each other. You know, oh, yeah. the Raiders and the Dolphins do play each other later on in the season. So that's going to be a really important game. So we're going to we're going to wait and see. But, yeah, so far they're playing like it. They're playing like it. Yeah. Do you have them in the postseason, Joe? In the postseason. Man, just thinking about that uh, preseason, we just wouldn't even think about it this way. But uh, right now they're playing like they can be. But in the end, I don't think that they will. Um I think they're on fire right now. A lot has to be said about how Fitzpatrick was able to establish, uh, you know, for this year, that believability in the team uh, for them to just take up the mantle, like, you know, without it being the uh, deteriorated play by uh, Fitzpatrick, right? He took the mantle. He he was able to move forward uh, despite having like some struggles in this first, this first outing. But then today, you know, he showed a lot of poise, uh, calm in the pocket. And when it was collapsing, I mean, there was some time where his escapability was, you know, you'd, you'd, you'd wonder where all that was coming from, given the fact, you know, we were all wondering about his injury. And, you know, there was one in particular, I can't, I can't you know, time it, but I believe it was in the fourth quarter. And it, you, you just think it was going to get crunched. And he goes and he escapes for 10 yards and a first down. And it continues the, uh, the drive. So... I think that they're capable, but I don't think that that they will, in fact, make the playoffs. There was that play you're talking about. I think I know that one. He was like running around in the pocket, and he did a whole entire 360. Like ran one way, like ran around a small merry-go-round, and then found a crease in the line somewhere, and then sprung for a first down. Yeah, it looked it looked really just those off script plays. It's you either have those things in you or you don't. So Mm -hmm. I actually want to actually get your guys' opinion on this also because I was thinking about when I was watching the very end of this one. They were down three with or the Cardinals, is it, that is. They were down by three when they decided to elect to kick that field goal with Zane Gonzalez, which is like a 49-yarder. Now, on the day before this, on the day as up into this game, or up not up into this game, but up into this play, they had converted two out of three fourth and shorts. Kyler mm-hmm. even took one for like 28 when they overloaded this one side on the zero blitz. They just elected to run this outside quarterback zone, and Kyler was gone after he broke free from Shaq Lawson. But do you go for it in that situation to keep your team on the field? I'll start with you, Henry. In that position, you're Cliff Kingsbury. You have the offense that you do. You know what your kicker isn't and is not capable of. What's your choice there? I'm going for it. Absolutely, I'm going for it. You play to you, you know you play to win the game. Work. Shout out to Herm Edwards. You play to win the game. I'm I'm, I'm going for it. Just like you said, you, you you got the weapons on offense. Kyler Murray has been you know besides that. Seth, you know, uh, fumble that, you know, that went took to the house. He was playing. He had a he had a pretty good game. So I'm definitely going for it. Just like you said, you know what you have in your kicker. It's not like it's Justin Tucker. So, yeah, I'm going for it. Josiah, you do the same. 
Yeah, well, how bad? I mean, you know, with how many do you know by any chance how many misses he have this on this the year? I don't know on the year. No, that on the year, but I know like the last time he was, it was we saw them play Seattle not that long ago, right. and they trotted him out there in a early situation to try to get a kick to take the lead before leaving the offense on the field to try to go get six, and it ended up biting him, and, and it ended up biting him, and then nonetheless Seattle still won because they got the turnover later, et cetera, et cetera. Right. But just with that, with what you've seen as of late, and then also electing to use that aggressiveness, something you are known for coming into the NFL as an offensive aggressor, mastermind, et cetera, pick your definer. With all that there and being that you had success on it earlier in the game, I put it, I put the eggs in a basket of my offense. I put the eggs in a basket of Kyler, who was killing them really in yeah. both facets of the game. Yeah, yeah. And that 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 part right there, I, I would lean because I was I was Leaning towards, you know, going for the kick because I think most kickers, especially in the NFL, now we do have ones that miss. I mean, we've all experienced it unless you have like a Justin Tucker or Sebastian when we had him for our, our Raiders and whatnot. But most kickers, they do have their misses here and there. But for the most part, I feel like kickers should be able to make that between 45 to, you know, uh, 50 range. That's, you know, that's me. But I do, I do know, like you said, you brought up a good point the aggressiveness on how they were playing and how aggressive that head coach is. Yeah. I probably, I probably would have went for it. I, I would have been on the edge, but I probably would have went for it just because that's how the game was going. You, you were, you were aggressive the whole, the whole game, you know, and you have, you're so explosive where, you know, Kyler, you have the weapons on the outside, like you said, and then, you know, Kyler could, could break out for a run. You know, he's not easy to tackle, you know? So yeah, yeah, I, I would go for it. I would go for it. You too, Joe. Well, I'm glad that you brought up the the whole Seattle game last week because uh, Kingsbury uh, was under fire, uh, given the fact that he barely made that made it out of that game and was redeemed at the end of it with the 15 seconds left. Um, I personally would have gone for it because the two fourth and ones that were converted, Kyler absolutely just you know took it over and it was easy money. Um, and they had the ability to stay on the field, and uh, I it's just. 40, 48, 49, whatever it was, that's meat and potatoes for most kickers right now in terms of range. And for him to fall short when it was dead center, it's kind of like one of the, you wonder, was that the placeholder's fault? So, you know, it's hard to fault Kingsbury given the fact that Zane Gonzalez has booted 50 plus, no problem uh, before. Um, but just for the sheer momentum shift that that created and you know, the, the the air that left the sails of the Cardinals right there, I definitely would have gone for it because Kyler was you know, just distraught on the sideline after it didn't go through because he felt like he should have the ball and you take it out of your best playmakers hands. And, you know, you, you start to question uh, that going forward when there's even more crucial games uh, that have more playoff imp- uh, implications. For sure. For sure. That's true. Another game with playoff implications though, that looked nothing like a playoff game was this Sunday night beatdown where the saints walked the bucks out to the shed and little Tommy saw how the sausage was made, and it was not pretty. Thirty-eight to three. Oh my god! It was. I it, from the start of this game, it just seemed like it was men versus boys, and this is not anything that I expected to see at all. And I honestly don't know who did besides Saints fans that were feeling themselves a little too much. But what I want to talk about because there's not really enough, nothing to break down in that game apart from that. And I'll start with you, Josiah. How good? are the Saints in terms of other teams and the powerhouses in the NFC? They're really good. They're really good because they can 
their defense and now their defense has been pretty their defense has been for the most part solid since Dennis Allen's been the coordinator over there. But this year they seem to be a little bit better, you know, and their 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 blitzes he seemed to blitz a little bit more. He's he's known to blitz, but it seemed like he's blitzing a little bit more and it seems to be working, man. And when you have when you have a good defense like that and you're able to get to the QB kind of whenever and your offense is as potent as it is, then yeah, you know, it, it's you know they're 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 up there with the powerhouses, man. They only got two losses, you know, and and they're and the rest of their schedule gets a little bit easier, you know. And when you think about the way they were, the way this, uh, how they were set up, they were coached really, really well. I mean, because you could tell the Buccaneers, they Sean Payton and them, they knew what the what the Buccaneers was trying to do. They knew Todd Bowles, the blitz, and all of that, and they just seemed like the offensive line was so prepared for that. Everybody was picking up the blitzes real nicely. The running backs and whatnot, they were right there. So it just it just didn't work. And it kind of to me, it looked like it threw Todd Bowles off. It was almost to the point where he couldn't even do what he normally do because they knew what he was gonna do. It was, you know, and then the defense, their defense ended up getting tired. So yeah, I, I think they're up there. I think they're right there with the powerhouses, man. You gotta give it to him. You gotta give it to Sean Payton too on how he's kind of altered this offense a little bit, you know, Drew Brees is not throwing the ball downfield all the time. You know, he's making it more, more short passes. I talked about this on a couple of podcasts prior, you know, and it's working, it's working, you know, and obviously Taysom Hill using him, you know, so it, it, it's working for him, man. They're definitely up there with the powerhouses, I think. For sure. Right now, Henry, if you had to decide, are the Saints a top four team, not top four, that's wrong. Top, I'll say top two team in the NFC. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I'll say so. Yeah, the definitely the way they've been playing, especially the the performance that they just put on put on tonight. Yeah, I'll definitely say that they are uh, a top two team in the NFC. And I remember we were talking about it last week, you know, because I, I picked I did pick the Saints to win, and I just the way that the Giants were able to just put some lickings on Tom Brady early, and that's the Giants, you know, that's nobody. Nobody feared the Giants, but like I said, the the way that that defensive line was able to get to Brady, I thought, well, well, you know, the Saints is ten times better than the Giants. I think they that they gonna do even better than that, and that's what they did tonight. And Josiah brought up some really really good points about uh, Dennis Allen, and you know the way that he's been over there with the or since been with the Saints, he has been doing a pretty solid job. And uh, today was probably one of his best performances that he uh, that he put on display today. So. Yeah, I was very impressed from what I saw from from the uh, the Saints, especially in the, in the offensive side of the ball, the way they're incorporating Taysom Hill. Um, yeah, Saints definitely top two team. So as I'm looking at the Bucks schedule right now, they really only play two games against teams with winning records throughout the rest of the year. So they are kind of in a favorable favorable position to still have a really solid showing. And I'll ask you this, Joe. Do you think we also see the Bucs in the playoffs? Because I assume we have the Saints there with just the command they have on the division and with the rest of the NFC. Do you think we see the Bucs in the playoffs as well? I think so. Um, I think the Bucs suffered from a mama I made it moment from last week because they played so well. And then they came in this week thinking that it was a little it was going to be pretty uh, smooth, given the fact that they'll be getting they got Godwin and Antonio Brown online. Um and then, you know, all their wide receiving cord plus Gronkowski. I mean, that's just deadly. And the defense was just absolutely demolishing people. Um, and the blitzes uh, that they were running and being able to attack the quarterback, stuff the run. Um, I think they'll get back to that. 
It's just that this week, I don't know, they came in and I think they just, they were coasting off that previous victory from last week and it just kind of came to hurt them, uh, given the fact that they were anticipating the returning players to help them out. So uh, in the long run, it's Brady, it's a bunch of weapons, it's a great defense. Yes, they'll be back in there, but the NFC's tough, you know, mm-hmm. and there's going to be a lot of a lot of good teams fighting for playoff spots. Um, and with the 0-2 deficit to the Saints, it's going to be really hard to win that division. So to see them even in the top four seed, uh, and them fighting for them possibly a, a wild card spot, it's uh, it's going to be tough. Uh, yeah, to, to yeah. that part, and that, but I think that they'll make it into the playoffs, no problem. What I what, what I do love, at least where we're at right now, is if you look at those teams in the NFC, the Bucks got buzzsaw tonight by the Saints. Well, the Packers came in on another Sunday night earlier and buzzsawed the Saints. But then when the Packers went down to Tampa, they got buzzsawed by them as well. So really, mm-hmm. each team's kind of flexed on each other in terms of that top four area. Well, we've also seen Seattle's defense continue to just be, as you were talking about, and we've all talked about so much, so, so poor against the pass. So as all that goes forward, each of these teams have shown a weakness in some way, and we'll have to see which team's strength can outweigh their weakness the most as we close in on the end of the year. But tomorrow, to wrap up week nine, we do have a game. It's a, oh man, I can't wait for this amazing game between the Jets and the Patriots. I really can't, though. (laughs) (laughs) Just this game, in particular, the one thing with the Jets that has looked decent is the connection between Sam Darnold and Jamison Crowder. And if there's one thing that the Patriots could do, even in down year like this when they're not the same squad, is that's take away what you do best. So they're going to take away Jamison Crowder. And we all remember that one game in primetime last year where Sam Darnold was talking about seeing ghosts. There's going to be more of them. That cover zero blitz is going to continue to get home. The offensive line for the Jets. Since Is Mekhi Becton back, do you guys know, from his injury? I don't. I don't. I'm not sure if he is. But if, he, if he's not or if he is, there's still enough guys on the rest of that offensive line that won't be able to keep them off when they go to those cover zero blitzes. So I have the Patriots winning pretty consistently. Is anyone taking the Jets? Nope. I got the Patriots. I got the Patriots too, just because, like you said, the the defense and just, I mean, Bill Belichick, man, the, the record is, you know, the re- record is trash, but they do have, we had a feeling that this could happen with this team because of all the players that they're, they're missing. And then Cam, obviously, they're probably going to go into a different direction next season. So we was unsure about that. Although he started the season hot, Ever since he that COVID thing hit, he just hasn't been the same. He came back, he just hasn't been the same QB. So, yeah, and, and just it's way better coaching. It's really about how bad the Jets is, to be honest with you. You know, and and and, and Adam Gase is a, is a head coach. You know, I don't think anybody on the page, SSAW, shout out to, to our page. And I know nobody on here believes in Adam Gase. So it really comes down to coaching here, and, and Bill's going to get it done. Yeah, why does he have a job still? Uh, I just – like he's he's we've asked really him for it. He should have never like a, got it. He should have like, He got like photos or he got like videotape of some higher ups or something. Like I'm curious now as to what it is he has because there's no way he still would have a job at this point. With them boogaloo eyes, right? That he's got when he would go went on that interview is just he saw something. <laughs> yeah, like you said, just like he should have never had it, and the fact that he still kept it despite we've seen other people lose their jobs this year, it's just right. it's absurd. <laughs> yeah it is another game we can discuss a little bit about today that was if you watched it it was it was close the whole entire way through 
Josiah and mine's Las Vegas Raiders getting a huge win at the end of the game in the division, winning 31-26 today. Just really, how would I put it? This is the type of game that, I've said this before, I said this last week, yeah, this is the type I, of game the Raiders would lose. Yeah, Normally, the, the Raiders <laughs> that have been laughed at, that had made the playoffs only once, that one outlier season in 2016, yep. this is the type of game that they would lose that would continue to just push them further down. But they didn't. They found a way to win, despite them coming down to the goal line and having a third-string corner in there. What they picked on twice had pretty good coverage on both plays and ended up forcing two incompletions. It was from I want to get an outsider's perspective view first from you, Henry. What do you do you think the Raiders stick with Derek Carr going forward based on what you've seen this season? Yeah, you got to because he he has been really impressive and and I love how John Gruden has been not putting too much on his plate. So pretty much, you know, letting Josh Jacobs eat. And I just love what I saw from Josh Jacobs today. It seemed like the Chargers had no answer for him. And especially with you guys missing so many players on the offensive line and still moving people off the ball, it seemed like there was a hole for Josh Jacobs to run through every time a running play was called. It was just way more positive than negative. So, but yeah, to answer your question, I, I do think that going forward with Derek Carr, he makes some – Pretty, he made some pretty good throws today. I love that throw that he had that I was when he was running up to the right and just do a dime over there. So yeah, oh, he had a one to Renfro, yeah. Yeah, yeah for, for answer your question, yeah, I, I do think you guys will be going forward with him. Do you agree, Joe? I mean, who else are you going to replace him with unless you're going to get a rookie that you're going to have sit there for two years? I mean, the guy is, knows the offense well. Uh, he's only seems to get better with every you know every year now that he's with Gruden. Um, that chemistry seems to be doing just fine. It seems like Carr's got a fire in his butt, you know, and he's running like out of the pocket and going downfield and him jumping and getting the first down. I mean, like that's, you know, cojones that I haven't seen from him in a couple of years. And it's kind of going back to the way that he had the fire when you guys were in your playoff run, when you went 12 and four, you know, uh, four years ago. And I don't see there's going to be a replacement. You guys have too many good like now players, especially with your offensive line. Um, there's a lot of that continuity there. Replacing the quarterback would either mean somebody that is an upgrade, which I don't see coming in, um, or a rebuild essentially, because you have to get a rookie that's going to come into play, but you guys don't even have the draft pick for that. That's true. That's true. Just, just Josiah, from your perspective, we've been asking and talking about needing a pass rush and needing to do something about it. Today, this was going against an offense that's been able to move the ball and still did. What did you think of the defense today? I thought the defense played pretty well for the most part, man. Uh, I thought the p- pass rush was there for the most part. Max, uh, it took him a while to get going, but he got going. He had a sack. I think it was middle of the gallon of his third quarter. I think it was the yeah, third quarter. I think he had a sack or fourth quarter, maybe even the fourth quarter. And Farrell was getting close. I'd be feeling bad for him, man, because his numbers don't really show. But if you watch him play and, and some of these he games, gets those pressures. He's like, I think he, he might be like tops in the NFL and dudes with like his pressure to sack rate because he has, yeah, still he has was, no sacks, actually, but a lot of pressures. Yeah, that's a good point, though. That's a good point because a couple of weeks he was actually, I think, top or top two in pressures. So there was three dudes he, that had 16 pressures and no sacks, and he was one of them. And I think he's pushed that to 20 plus pressures on those sacks now yeah man it's unfortunate you know as far as the numbers but he's getting there he's getting better he still needs to improve but he seems you know he seems to be getting there he seems to be coming around so I I thought the pass rush did pretty well I really love what I seen out of Nick 
you know, uh, the linebacker, Kwiatkowski, however you pronounce oh, yeah. his last name, he did really, really well, man. And he's been playing well since since week one. You know, he got hurt. He missed a couple games, came back, and it seemed like the defense, at least, you know, the, the linebackers, well, the defensive line, just the whole defense really, just being in the right spots. You know, they play a little bit better with him. Obviously, Abram has that same effect. He was all over the place. You know, and and I really and I, I will tell you this, though, man. And I talked about I text you and told you I mentioned it on the page. Corey Littleton has been one of the most disappointing free agents wow. we've ever picked up, man, period. Jeez. You know, because and, and I got to go that way. I got to go that way with it because we were so hyped about him. I mean, we we said <laughs> he was the best linebacker on our team since. You know, I went all all the way back since like 2000, somewhere down the line. So I mean, because we're not right. He played that way with LA for yeah, multiple man. seasons. He so, did. and I'm wow. not, I'm not really, I'm. You know, we we blame Paul Gunther for Lamarcus Joyner. We blame Paul Gunther on some of these players not really playing that well when they come to us, free agents. That is, but Corey, I'm not really. It's, I mean, he's playing his position. You see, Lamarcus is not playing, is he? I mean, you know, he's still playing. Slot every now and then he plays the you know plays safety, but he's not really playing his position. But Corey's out there. We're putting him on tight ends. We're putting him on these players, and he's just he's getting beat every time. He's missing tackles. You know what it might be too. It might just be a confidence thing. He might have to. I don't know. He might have to kind of have a good game. So hopefully he could get a really good game and get that confidence back. And sometimes that's what it looks like. It just he's getting beat, you know, and and he's having these penalties. Like he had a penalty today where he was clearly, you know, he was holding and whatnot, and it just just was bad. And you could see it in his face. Like, you know, he shook his head like, dang, you know. <laughs> but he They knew. benched him after that one too. Yeah, because he's bad, bro. He's bad. He's not He's not playing well, you know. And obviously Nicholas Morrow, he's, you know, he's not that good. He's okay. So we still got work to do. Trayvon Mullen, who I didn't really even – he just kind of disappeared. I guess he, he got, got hurt. Yeah, he got hurt in the first quarter. You know, yeah, but, and then we brought in Isaiah Johnson, who I thought looked yeah, pretty looked good. Good man, he looked good. And we talked about him too earlier in the season. You know, I talked about him not getting his chance. You know, because last year he played, he got hurt. I think in the first game, second game, and it was kind of hard for him to get back on the field after that. But today he played really, really well. Uh, he was a big part of of you know us getting that big stop. And I felt, you know, and Eric Harris, man, he needs to go. He needs to go, man. Well, we definitely need to replace him. So the defense needs work. We know that. But I feel like we do have some key pieces there. If we can get them some help. Oh, and Hankins, too. I mean, he's really been – yeah, I think he's graded, uh, according to PFF, he's 88, I think 88, graded 88% as far as like – well, his grade is 88 as far as uh, being a run stuffer. Like he's the best in the league is defensive tackles. So, you know, that's good to see. That's good to see that. And so we got some pieces there, but we still need some help. But I like what I saw. Yeah, for sure. Though, the one thing really with this team that I just get keep having to take away from is just the leadership that Gruden has brought. It's really instilling itself on the squad. All these players missing third string, second string, you know, whatever it might be. Bad weather. There's just not excuses where there could be. And that's just that's real solid to see. So. I'm going to build on that going forward as the season goes on and we get deeper into the division matchups. But other than that, it's the main looks at week nine on a nice Sunday. All of our teams, except for Joe, picking up that win today. 
unfortunately. <laughs> oh, no. man. Well, hey. Actually, you know, it's a win by losing. Yeah. Win by <laughs> losing for that pick. Do you do you think uh, that Mitch is the dude as far as next year with that first-round pick, or are you going quarterback? That's the well, question. Oh, no. We're, we're going quarterback. That's the thing. It's either that or, I mean, we're going to trade for a haul of picks, but I, I just I don't see that. And, and the big thing about moving on into next year, too, for that, uh, just for – before I mention Minshew is we're going to have a new GM, a new coach, and we're going to have a whole new overhaul as far as I can imagine it. Um, so there's going to be a lot of questions with that Minshew. Um, I think he'll stay, uh, but his, his role is going to be Fitzpatrick uh, be there until you're not wanted there. And that's, that's where I'm at with that. Minshew deserves a better shot than that though, in my opinion. What about my guy out here from Oregon, Oregon state representative, Jake Luton first play was bombing them to DJ Chark today. Oh, I mean, nice. I, I love that. I, I, I see that and I like it. And his mobility is better than anybody anticipated, even myself, uh, which, you know, you see that little spin move to get into the end zone. Um, you know, you kind of go like a uh, little Chris Berman. Whoop, and yeah. it was uh, I, it was surprising. It was surprising. Um, and I'm confident that he will play well for the narrative that we want him to. And then we're still going to end up blowing all the games. So, you know, that's what his power is. He's filling his role nicely. He's filling indeed. Uh, yeah, we appreciate you coming on, Joe. Nice to have you back on. Oh, my pleasure. Wins this across the board. Hope your fantasy team did well. We will catch nope. you guys again on the Thursday show where we have Chase McCoy. And we're going to be back with another episode of Cover Zero. Well, take care. That's our show. Be sure to email us with your questions, comments, and statements. CoverZeroPodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to like us by supporting our Facebook page. You can find us at Specialized Sports Analysis Worldwide. And if you want more exclusive content, feel free by clicking join when you want into the SSAW family by typing in Specialized Sports Analysis Worldwide. Group.